What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, and welcome to another edition of the Tomahawk Take Podcast. I am your host, Jake Mastriani, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Alan Carpenter. Hello there. And Fred Owens. Good evening. Guys, it's been a while since I've been on the podcast after the birth of my second son a couple of weeks ago, and it's been a a couple of chaotic weeks since then, so I'm going to do my best not to fall asleep on you guys on this podcast, but I am excited to be back talking Braves baseball with you. Uh, and I'm even more excited that by this time next week, pitchers and catchers will be reporting to their spring training sites, Lord willing. You never know with the COVID status, things could change at any moment. But uh, as we sit here on uh, Thursday night, uh, February the 11th, we are looking at uh, players reporting to camp uh, next Thursday on the 18th. So definitely looking forward to that, Exciting to uh, excited for that. Um, there are some spring training um, rules and uh, the health and safety guideline protocols that have been agreed upon by the league and the players. I know me and Alan have both written a little bit about that on the site. Also, there's a good article by Ken Rosenthal on The Athletic, if you are subscribed to that. It kind of goes over some of the uh, nuances of this spring training. Uh, some of the, the the highlights from that are that uh, in the first half of um, games, the first half of the schedule of games, um, the games can go as, as few as five innings, um, just based upon what the managers agree upon. And then in the second half of games, uh, the game schedule, they can go, uh, as few as seven innings. Um, they're also, they're obviously all scheduled for nine innings, but can be as few as seven innings if the managers agree upon it. Part of that is because, uh, teams are only allowed to have a, a maximum of 75 players in camp. So, you know, teams could run out of, you know, mostly pitchers to go to, especially early on in spring training, which is why most of those games will probably probably be shortened. Um, the other thing is that in Florida, they're talking about uh, redoing the schedule so that only teams in the south play each other and then teams on the east coast of Florida 
play each other there to try to limit travel. So that spring training schedule will be changed up a bit as well. So be on the lookout for that. But again, it is, you know, exciting time of the year for baseball fans with teams headed down to their spring training sites to gear up for the season. Another little bit of Braves news over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Chipper Jones is joining, uh, the coaching staff as a part-time hitting coach. Absolutely. You know, thrilled about that. Anytime you got, you know, Chipper in there working with the guys, uh, hint, hint, Austin Riley, hopefully, uh, will be, uh, talking to him a lot. But, uh, Chipper Jones, obviously, you know, one of the, the best hitters of all time, a Hall of Famer, loves to talk hitting, um, and obviously knows the craft very well. I think he'll be very instrumental in talking to some of the guys. So just great to have him more involved in the coaching staff and hope that his role there just increases over time. But uh, get into kind of the meat of the news now. We weren't able to uh, podcast uh, last week after the Ozuna signing, so I uh, just wanted to get our thoughts on the signing itself. Um, Braves were able to sign Ozuna to a four-year deal worth $65 million with a fifth-year uh, team option. Um, got him for a little bit. You know, less over four years than I would have thought. Um, the deal is probably a little longer than I actually would have wanted. I probably would have preferred more of a three year deal, but you know, I think like we talked about before, the, the uh, options were kind of thinning out and Ozuna really was the best available. I feel like the Braves did go through a pecking order and a list of guys that they preferred to have. And once those came off the board, um, I think they were always just sitting there, you know, waiting to go after Ozuna. Alan, it's kind of interesting to hear. It sounds like, you know, Ozuna was waiting on the Braves to come to him. They really weren't pursuing him all that aggressively until right before they signed him. I was a little surprised to to hear that, but it just kind of confirmed my theory that, you know, they were going through their tier list and Ozuna wasn't at the top of that list. Yeah, and I consider that kind of lucky that the Braves still had him available because not only was he the only big bat still available, the options available kind of dropped off a cliff after that point. Yeah, I do think that the Braves were running a risk of somebody snapping him up somewhere along the way, but uh, the way the market conditions are between teams and finances and everything else, I guess, sort of played in their hands, and they they milked that all the way to the end, and it, it worked out for them, I guess. Um I do uh, like the fact that they got him back. Uh, I hope that we still have some glimmer of hope of a designated hitter so that that becomes his slot. But, of course, that introduces another problem in that who's going to play left field after that. And that's why I think that this offseason is still in a bit of flux for the Braves because there's – Unfinished business all the way around. Uh, left field, third base is un, is still a bit of a question mark. The bench we'll talk about is essentially non-existent. And if, if a couple of guys get hurt, uh, Brace could really be in trouble there. So um, at least we've got uh, some offense that uh, we could count on at the top between Acuna, Albies, Freeman, and Ozuna, and then Darno behind him. So... I, I I feel good about the offense. I feel better about the pitching staff than I did going into last year. I think the Braves are in reasonable shape. I don't think they're in great shape yet, and we'll have to just see what happens from here. Yeah, and to break down the contract a little bit more for Ozuna, he's set to make $12 million in this coming up season and then $16 million, uh, in 2022 and then $18 million in 2023 and 2024. So that contract gets a little bigger, but – 
Um, with the, you know, payroll obviously being decreased after the shortened 2020 season makes sense that these next two years would be a little bit lower. And then in 2025, when he's, uh, still, when he's 34 years old, the, the team option is for 16 million with a $1 million buyout. So, you know, my overall just feelings on, on Ozuna are a bit suppressed. You know, somebody asked me how I felt about it. You know, I probably wasn't as thrilled as a lot of Braves fans on Twitter. Yeah, I understand it. The Braves had to make that move. But like I said, I feel like that was just kind of what was left. Uh, I don't feel like it was their top option. It, you know, it wasn't my top option. I mean, I like Ozuna. He's definitely going to be good. I just hope Braves fans aren't expecting what they saw over a hot two months in 2020 because that's, you know, not the player Ozuna has been for most of his career. Now, the player he's been is still a very good player. I'm not trying to take away from that at all, but certainly not somebody that's going to put up, you know, an OPS over, over a thousand. Um, not something that he's done any other time in, in his career. Um, so, you know, again, I, I, I do like the signing. I just, I don't love it. I wasn't jumping for joy when I happened. It was just kind of like you said, Alan, just kind of a, you know, a, a lucky, um, in a way that the Braves were actually, he was still out there and the Braves were able to get him. But Fred, your, your overall thoughts on the Ozuna signing the contract and the player that he'll be. Obviously, you know, what, with the DH likely coming at least in 2022, I think it makes it a little bit better, but. Uh, your thoughts on the the signing? Yeah, I thought it was uh, a fair contract. Actually, I mean, I I looked at what Nelson Cruz, who is right now the best DH in the game, and he got twelve, or did he thirteen? Twelve or thirteen? He has never made more than fourteen at it. And uh, Ozuna's younger, you know, he could be as good as uh, Cruz in, as a DH one day. Uh, right now, he still plays on the other side of the ball, which which uh, Cruz can't. So I thought the contract was really fair for both sides. I thought it was funny when Ozuna asked uh, Anthopoulos, uh, he said, well, if, if you thought it was so easy, why didn't you contact me before three days ago? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, right. So that sort of tells you where he was at. He was waiting to come back. He wanted to be in Atlanta. And I think maybe uh, Alex knew that and um, figured that he would get a uh, hey, you guys want to match this thing from from uh, Ozuna before he signed anywhere, and that's why he waited, I think. And that we wanted to make sure about this DH thing. Where we go from here, I'm not sure. I mean, uh, they said he's the starting uh, left fielder. Good for him. I'm, uh, you know, I hope he holds up. Hope his body holds up out there through the year. I just expect him to get injured if he plays out there a lot. But that's 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 just me, I guess. Um, but he'll he'll hit his 30 home runs and. Uh, I just wonder where we're going to get the rest of the offense from because uh, when you get past Ozuna and, uh, you know, our best bench bat right now is Johan Camargo. So, boy, uh, we need help there. And we have to hope Riley hits uh, and Pache hits. But once you get past you get past the top five in the lineup, it gets a little tricky. Yeah, for sure. And that kind of, you know, leads us into our next topic is will there be another big move? And obviously there's only a week left before spring training here, but I think, most Braves fans recognize, you know, there's still some holes in the lineup. You know, there's at least at best, there's a question mark with Riley. You know, I know some people think there's still a chance he could hit. Some people are, are done with him. Um, you know, Pache, you know, not expecting much from him in his first season. He's never been, you know, a big offensive type guy. We just need him to cover left and center field with Ozuna out there uh, <laughs> defensively. And, and we'll get from him what we need. Um, and then obviously with no DH, you know, you're going to have the pitcher spot back in there. So, you know, the bottom of the lineup is not, 
not ideal situation. So, Fred, I don't know if there's enough time left or anybody, you know, I know we were talking beforehand going through the free agent market. There's really not anybody out there starter worthy other than maybe Justin Turner. Um, and obviously we don't know exactly what's out there trade wise, but any chance A is able to pull something off in the last couple of, you know, last week or so here before the season starts, another big move. Well, there's, there's always a chance. You say there's a chance. Yes, there's a chance. I, I'm not sure who it would be. Uh, we, we heard from New York today that uh, the Mets are in on uh, Bryant, and then the other guy said, well, the Mets have closed that book a month ago. They haven't spoken with it for a month, so you don't know what to believe out of there. And then there's the news that uh, reported by somebody on uh, one of the New York radio stations that the Mets were talking to the athletics. Now, you know, two weeks ago I wrote and, and believed that the Athletics had no idea, no, no reason to make any trades because they nearly won the division last year. They were certainly close enough to have added a couple of players and done it this year, and they added Elvis Andrus. And I liked Elvis when he was with Texas and he was younger, and I'm sure he'll play okay for them, but that doesn't seem like a step forward, and they they dumped their DH, um, and they haven't really done anything else. So the idea that maybe Chapman is available now is interesting. Uh, certainly, we have more to offer the Mets than uh, more to offer the A's than the Mets do. If we want to go pursue him, and he's not expensive, and certainly there's a deal there. And Alex has robbed uh, uh, Oakland before when he got uh, uh, Josh Donaldson. So, you know, he knows the people out there. They know him. Uh, maybe there's a deal there. But whether it's going to happen in the next seven days, we don't know because the way Alex operates, he just wakes up one morning and says, here's the deal. It's done. And you all have fun. And um, mm. that's, that's the way we have to live with this. We can guess. We can, we can make, you know, make that, the free agent market. You know, we, we ran down the names of lefties earlier before we came on here uh, Matt Adams, Jay Bruce, Estrubal Cabrera, switch hitter, Shinzo Chu, Brett Gardner, Jason Kipnis, Josh Reddick, uh, Travis Shaw, Eric Silgard, Matt Wieters, and a bunch of people we don't want to talk about. And none of those people seem like to me that they're a fit, um, which uh, worries me a bit for the bench when you're talking about uh, um, Camargo being the most dependable bat on it. Okay, uh, that that that's a problem for me because uh, you, even if he hits well, you still got four empty spots there. So. I don't know where to get it. I don't know who's trading who. I just um, I just have a little Joe Boo statue here, and I give him a little rum every night and hope it works. Uh, and, Alan, that's my biggest worry, and I wrote about this earlier this week, is you know the depth of the position players for the Braves is just not great at all. I mean, we're talking about guys like Jack Mayfield and Abraham Almonte possibly being options on the bench, and you know, no disrespect to them, but you know, that's certainly not who you want filling in if somebody, you know, a starter goes down. Um, I, I think there's a lot of work that has to be done on the bench, and we're starting to see a lot of those bench pieces fly off the board. And like Fred said, there's just not a ton out there that make a lot of sense right now. And the Braves have had to fill in a lot of guys that are really important to their lineup in the last few years. Uh, Albies, uh, Acuna, Freeman at times. I mean, if Travis Darno goes down with a significant injury, then uh, right now we're we're looking at Alex Jackson and William Contreras. So it's uh, 
very thin lineup. It you you look at what they did during the playoffs. They basically ran the starters into the ground, and that's what they had to do because that's all they had. I mean, Pablo Sandoval is is he got anything left in the tank? Probably not. You know, he's he's one of those guys that's gonna gonna be on a minor league deal with a with an invite here in, next week. So it's just a lot of guys that are spare parts, and I. I Kind of wonder about that around the entire league to, to some extent because I don't see a lot of depth anywhere really, but uh, it's going to be imperative that the Braves somehow figure out a way to stay healthy uh, in all regards of the game, uh, with COVID or not COVID. So I I think if they can overcome that, then yeah, they they could run the table no no problem. But uh, uh, that's not usually the way it works and. The idea of having a, a useful, viable bench has been a challenge for the Braves over the last real, probably a decade at least. So I, I don't see anything changing in the next few days here, especially with that laundry list of guys that uh, Fred rattled off earlier. Yeah, I mean, at the very least, they got to go out and get a left-handed bat. You know, Josh Reddick's one I think that makes sense, and may I dare say Nick Markakis you know, uh, again, we're, we're we're picking from the bottom of the barrel here at this point now, but I think you at least got to get one left-handed outfield bat uh, for the bench. Um, right now, that's Ender and Ciarte, and um, you know, I, I defended Ender for a couple of years there, but I'm certainly you know off the train now. Um, I think if anybody was willing to take him, Alex would have. Alex would have already made that deal, but um, apparently yeah. that's. That's not going to happen. And it may have been this economic situation that has derailed that idea that, you know, we all thought that maybe half his contract would be good enough to, to get him offloaded somewhere else at the beginning of the offseason, but it hasn't even been sniffed at. We, we see guys getting picked up for a million, million and a half, two million, and they're every bit as good as Ender as far as hitting. So, why go off and get a guy who's going to make eight million bucks? So yeah, I, I think we're pretty well uh, stuck with him for the duration here. I'm afraid. Yeah, and not you know not trying to be too doom and gloom on this podcast, but you know the, you look at the Bakota projections too, which are uh, I mean they are what they are. They're a projection system, but they spun out 82 wins for the Braves this year. I would be certainly be upset and surprised if the Braves. You know, finish with 82 wins or less um, this year. That just, even with all that we've talked about, I just, I don't see them winning, you know, that few of games. I know Mike Petriello, who um, wrote an article today kind of explaining why the projections are so low on the Braves. And I, his main point was that the Braves just had guys that completely outproduced their norms last year and are due to regress, which, I get that, you know, I already mentioned Ozuna's not going to hit, you know, over 162 like he did over 60 games last year. You know, Freddie Freeman, he was great. I don't know if even he can produce at that level over an entire season. Um, still think, you know, he certainly could be an MVP type player. You know, guys like that that just overproduce, you know, I made the argument, I think there's guys that could do a lot better than they did last year that underproduced last year. You know, Ozzy Albies was, you know, one big example. You know, I know Acuna's numbers were still, you know, really good last year, but I think he could be even better than he was. And that's just a, a tough, 
argument to make for why the projection systems don't like them is that because they had players that that overperformed. But I think the bigger cause for concern for the Braves this year is just their their lack of depth positionally. I think the pitching staff they're they're okay. I think they're a good set at least seven or eight deep right now with arms that you feel okay with putting out there. But positionally, uh, I just I'm really worried about the depth there and. You know, I've been saying it for years now. You look at the success of the Dodgers over the years, and it's because they've they've had guys on the bench who could fill in for an injured player, or they could mix and match their lineup. You know, based on the the pitching matchup, um, and the Braves just haven't been able to do that. They haven't been able to get that from their bench, and so I don't know, Fred. I mean, that's you know what most concerns me with the Braves right now, and. Again, we're getting too late in the off season. I don't know really what can be done, but uh, is there anything else that you know kind of scares you to the Braves or where they could fall to that 82 win total like Makoto projects? It takes one injury, really. If Freddie Freeman gets injured badly, uh, if he misses six weeks of the season, you could hit 82. He wins pretty easily because without Freeman in the lineup, it's Ozuna and. Uh, Acuna, Ozuna, and Albies. I mean, honestly, uh, mm-hmm. that's what you're at. Uh, the if if Freddie gets hurt, or Ronnie gets hurt, or Ozuna gets hurt and gets out of the lineup, you made the point quite clearly. The teams who win the World Series have players on the bench that they can put in the game, and uh, they know where, the Dodgers put Edwin Rios in at third base last year. Okay, <laughs> they had Kiki Hernandez who played all over the ballpark when the when the uh, Astros won the game, won the World Series. The trash cans aside, they had Marvin Gonzalez playing all over the field. When the uh, Red Sox win, they had Brock, Brock Holt and a couple of guys playing all over the ballpark. When the Yankees win, they got people they move in and out of the lineup and play them all over the ballpark. That's what you need depth. You need depth. You know, it's nice to have the starting eight and say those are my guys, and they are. And the starting eight is going to play 130 to 140 games. But those other 20 games, you you got to win half of them too. And if you can do that, then you're fine. And if you don't do that, then you got a problem. And uh, a major injury to Freeman, Ozuna, uh, Acuna, Darno. And I think, you know, you see that 82 pretty quickly, especially if, um, you know, we all want Austin Riley to hit. But if Austin Riley doesn't hit, and Camargo hits like he's been hitting the last couple of years, you've got a problem there. And that's the the, the depth is the thing. And right now, uh, our depth is uh, no thinner than spit on a sidewalk. It's just looks it's there. It looks wet, but there ain't much to it. <laughs> yeah, definitely got me uh, worried. Most of all, going into the season again, if if the starters stay healthy, then yeah, I mean the Braves are the best team in the division. I, I still believe that, but you know. We're going back to a full season here. You can't count on everybody staying healthy the entire year. Uh, and I really think if this season does fall apart, you're going to look back and you're really going to question Anthopolis and the way that he addressed the bench this off season. And, you know, I don't know what the reasoning for that might be. Maybe he did have some payroll constraints. Um, I don't know if he just waited too long to, to find the big bat in Ozuna and then everybody else was, you know, taken. I, I don't know what the reasoning will be, and we'll never know. But uh, I think if you if this season turns out, you know the Braves win 82 games or, or less, or around there, or miss the playoffs, I think it's going to be because we didn't have enough depth to fill in for guys who got injured. So, and, and that can be addressed still. I mean, there 
you can address that during the season. You can still make trades to to do that, and it doesn't have to be anything significant. So, you know, there's still time to do that, but why not get it taken care of during the off season so you're not worried about it going into the season when you got a team that's you know built to win a World Series. Make sure they're at full strength going into the season. So, I don't know. I, I kind of. I kind of need to get off that topic because it just keeps making me angry. But Alan, anything else you wanted to to add on to that? My feeling about some of these things is that the Braves are probably content to wait into the season, July, August, trade deadline kind of time frame before uh, addressing certain things like uh, will Austin Riley hit when they may be willing to give him a shot to, to find out. My concern, of course, is that other teams like the Mets will go off and uh, snatch some of the best available options that they they can find because they're certainly being proactive right now. Failing that, it uh, looks like we may be at the mercy of waiting to see how does Cleveland do, how does Oakland do, how does Cincinnati do, to see about maybe some other third base options or whether the Blue Jays are willing to let one of their outfielders go or, or some other team like that. So I I don't see anything else on the free agent market that's really worth pursuing. Uh, you could probably throw a blanket over just about everybody else and just you know pick one out of a bag to, to say okay come join our bench. It, it's not it going to be a productive kind of a signing. It would be more of a filler type of signing, and I'm I'm concerned about that. But uh, barring a trade uh, and a fairly major one that's that's about where we are right now there's been a lot of prospect rankings come out recently um, and right now the Braves you know farm system as a whole is still ranking relatively high you know obviously that could change significantly once Pache and uh, Ian Anderson won't be, be considered rookies anymore, which, you know, if all things work out the way they should, that'll probably happen, you know, within the first couple of months of the upcoming season. And once that happens, that takes away the t- Braves' top two prospects, and the farm system really takes a hit and starts to look uh, pretty pretty thin. I know ESPN just came out with their top 100, and uh, Anderson and Pache uh, were, were at the top of that for the Braves, and then Waters and Shea Langoliers were also listed in that top 100. I know a lot of people are also big on uh, Michael Harris. I, I am in that boat as well. I like Michael Harris and think he'll probably be the next big-time prospect for the Braves, but there's just really not a lot of a lot of depth in the system right now. Obviously, the the international restrictions had a lot to do with that, so, you know, you wonder if it comes down to it and the Braves do need to make some trades, Fred. I, you know, the system as far as itself is kind of, kind of getting thin to trade from. I know a lot of the trade talks people have been talking about for J-Ram or Chapman, you know, would involve somebody, you know, like Waters, which for those guys, I'd, I'd give up Waters, you know, every day of the week. But um, the, the, the prospect you know, rankings, the farm system for the Braves is getting kind of thin to pull from if the Braves are going to make some trades this season. Well, you've got you've got some guys that you don't have a home for, okay? I mean, you look around and you, you what are you going to do with Sean? Is Sean going to be a reliever for us? Uh, is, is he going to start for us? What's, what is Newcomb's job, okay? What's to, what are you going to do with Tukey, okay? You've had Tukey around for a while. Tukey looks like a trade chip to me. Sean looks like a trade chip to me. 
Actually, all those guys that haven't yet quite cut through to the big leagues, you look at Patrick Weigel, 27, that comes 27 this year, falls off the list because he's 27. Phil Pfeiffer's down there. You got all these guys who are lottery tickets and you've got teams out there who are, who are wanting to rebuild and, you know, you trade those guys. Maybe you trade them for people farther down the list, um, that, uh, to get those guys back in as something that you can build on. Right now, the problem the Braves have is that they're very top heavy. When, when those guys drop off the list, uh, your next best prospects, uh, pitching prospects are at A ball this year. And the guys in between that we we keep talking about and building up, uh, Shoemake and the Harris got the two Harris outfielders, uh, those guys, uh, uh, Galliers, another catcher. We have three catchers, um, in there. So at some point, you've got to pick a catcher and trade the other one for some stuff. See, well, those catchers are valuable pieces. So you pick your catchers and make a choice. And move the one you're not using for some valuable pieces. Get a, flip a catcher for a couple of good pitchers out there that another team's got and try to fill that gap between A ball and, and double A and, and, and triple A so that you don't have this huge hole in between. Now, they've signed some guys. They signed Arno. They signed, uh, um, boy, like uh, the, the ex Cub, uh, out there to give us some pitching depth, bullpen depth this year. And um, Carl Edwards Ed, Jr. Edwards, and yeah. and they, they're to, get, to give us some pitching depth. And they've done that, and that's a good idea. But that doesn't fill that doesn't fill the need for, to move the pipeline along, get those guys in at Double A, uh, and then moving them up to A. And then we're going to have them for five years. That that's a problem. Uh, right now, the uh, team, the core of the team is young with Swanson and Albies and Acuna. Uh, you've got Freddie there. Riley, you've got Waters coming, you've got Pache, you've got the young catchers. You've got enough young players, but you can't just say, well, that's good. Okay, we can sit on that for a while, and it'll grow, uh, because it won't. So you've got you've got to make some choices. I think you move pitchers, Tuki, um, and those guys who have not quite made it here, maybe they can go someplace else and get something done. And those catchers are valuable. You know, uh, William Contreras, uh, uh, Langeliers, uh, those guys are valuable. Once you decide which one you want, uh, you need to make a move because you can't sit on them forever. Um, and they're worth the longer you do, the longer they're likely to fall off their little mountain. So that's uh, that's where you got to go, I think. Yeah, and Alan, I think that's the problem with a lot of the Braves, you know, prospects and young players now is that they've sat there so long that they've really kind of lost their value. You look at guys like Tukey and Newcomb and Cal Wright and Bryce Wilson. You know, they've lost a lot of their shine from when they were big time prospects and. You know, I really wonder if they could be key packages, you know, in a trade at this point. And I've been preaching that for at least two years now, that they these guys are ripe on the vine. They need to be used in and or either used to the major league level or used as trade chips. And neither has happened. There has not been a major trade done. Just little minor things here and there that that have been, you know, generally fruitful, but uh, nothing that has paid any dividends for for the system and it it boggles my mind as to why AA keeps sitting on these guys and and refusing to to use them as uh currency to improve the team uh, right now uh could we use a guy to get third base squared away yeah why haven't we done that i don't know same thing for left field uh backup catcher even uh, you know those guys are easy to get but uh, it just a lot of what looks like 
inaction or hesitation. I, I, I don't know if still if it's this particular season, uh, of, of market uncertainty that is causing all this, but, uh, there seem to be a lot of people around that, that are reluctant about this. You know, Fred a few weeks ago, um, talked about guys with control that, uh, were going to be held onto like gold, uh, guys with options, guys that uh, still were in the arbitration system. And that may have been, that may be what's coming to fruition here is that uh, teams are holding on to these guys, knowing that they're valuable, and that's making it difficult to do any kind of deals, really. So I, I think we're starting to see some of that thaw a little bit. But at the same time, a lot of these things seem to be motivated by money uh, more than anything else. So I, I'm, I'm sort of rambling here a, a, a bit because there's a lot of factors, I think, that are in play. But uh, uh, ultimately, the Braves are still not improving the kinds of things that they still need to improve before they uh, hit uh, Northport next week. You know, and I've kind of been shouting for a couple of years now, and I know there ha- others have as well, that at some point, A's got to move some Big time prospects in a big move, and I thought this off season would be it. I also thought last off season <laughs> would be it, but that still hasn't happened. But I still think that trade has to come at some point. You know, maybe he he gets it done for a third baseman during the season. We'll have to wait and see. But uh, you got to figure at some point he's going to pull the trigger on a big trade and and trade a, a big time prospect and get a big time player that's going to help put this team over the edge. That's certainly what I'm hoping for. I feel like we've been kind of <laughs> somber on this podcast. I'm going to blame it on my lack of sleep, but uh, <laughs> we'll go uh, We'll go ahead and cut it off there. I am uh, very excited for spring training coming up and to get the players on the field, hopefully get some sort of coverage. I don't know how much broadcast coverage there will be, but it'll at least be good to have uh, the players on the field working out, playing some games pretty soon. Uh, so that is very exciting, but uh, that will do it for this edition of the Tomahawk Take Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the Tomahawk, Tomahawk Take Podcast wherever you listen to your podcast and check out TomahawkTake.com uh, for all of the articles that we're posting daily on the site. As always, appreciate uh, you, you listening, appreciate you supporting the podcast and the website, and we'll talk to you next time. This edition of the Tomahawk Take Podcast, the No Trades Clause episode, is a production of TomahawkTake.com and Fansided LLC, a subsidiary of Minute Media Inc. Opinions expressed on the show today are solely those of the participants. Minute Media doesn't claim any of them. All rights reserved. One of the musical selections used today comes to you under the auspices of the Creative Commons license, terms of which are available at creativecommons.org slash licenses slash buy slash 4.0. This was a piece by Kevin McLeod entitled Hard Boiled. His works are featured at incompetech.filmmusic.io. All other selections come via rights purchased by tomahawkdick.com. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast today, and just to get this on the record, Jason Kipnis does not make a viable bench all by himself. Sorry, but we'll see you out for the next inning.